Ladies and gentlemen, today we're here with our brother Troy LaRabier. He is uh, over the Chicago Principals Association. And boy, y'all got to really hear what this brother got to say. So, Troy, thank you for joining us on the show today. Pleasure to be here, brother. Thank you. So, so, so Troy, let's get right to it. Tell us everything that's going on with Chicago Public Schools, how you're moving black male principals. Let, let us know about that. Well, there have been, by official count, uh, 10 removals this year. Eight of them have been black principals, and seven of them were black male principals. To give you some perspective, uh, only 8% of the principals in the city uh, are black males, but 70% of the ones they've removed are black males. That is no coincidence. Like, right off the bat, something's wrong. And there's actually an article published in the Chicago Sun-Times, you know, um, pushback over principal probes, where they validated, we've got four claims that we've made. They validated three of them. The first claim is that they've been targeting black principals, right? And so that stat, seven out of 10 were black males, that came from that Chicago Sun-Times research. Mm -hmm. And so that's validated our claim that they've been targeting black principals. The second claim that we made is that they've used substandard investigative tactics. One, they didn't even want to release the investigative report. They removed folks and didn't tell them what they were charged with. We, we were able to force them to tell Abdul Muhammad what he was charged with through some legal maneuvers and release the investigative report. And once we got it, we realized why they didn't, why they didn't want to release it. It was filled with all kinds of investigative mishaps, slights, um, failures to do back, failures to um, vet witnesses, failure to do fact checks, just anything an investigator is supposed to do, they didn't do it. And so this article, once again, validated, because they talked to the old inspector general and had him look at the report and validated that this was a sloppy report and they didn't use proper standard investigative techniques. So that got validated. The third thing that we said was that even if some principal did all of these things in this report, right, which Abdul Muhammad did not, but even if some principal did, it's petty. You know, stuff like a false claim that he showed up to work late. Like, he didn't, but even if he did, why is the law department investigating? That's the supervisor. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember being a teacher, and I remember showing up late. My principal said, hey, the start time for students is 8, but you have to be here at 8.30. I said, oh, I didn't know that. This is my first time teaching, right? So I, they didn't call the law department <laughs> and yeah. investigate why I showed up late. Yeah. A supervisor came to me and said, hey, and the problem was fixed. Nobody ever went to Abdul Muhammad about any of these charges. His supervisor, he just, just kept fed, feeding things to the law department, petty accusations. And so this also validated. As a matter of fact, the whole focus of the story is on how petty they are. They don't use the word petty. They use words like unjustified, unwarranted. Like these charges don't justify a removal. They don't justify. They don't warrant taking a principal out of a school and causing all of this disruption in student lives over these petty accusations. So they validated three of our four claims. Our fourth claim is that the charges are fabricated, that they actually looked for people. And you can see them going to the same seven white teachers and one black clerk over and over again to go against the written record. So there's an evidence base that says Abdul Muhammad is innocent. They were looking for people to say things that went against the evidence, and they only quoted what people said and did not reference the evidence in the report. So the report is completely fabricated. 
So that's number one about Abdul Muhammad. But they're fabricating these cases about black principles all over the city. So the question becomes, what is the motivation? What is going on here? And one of the things that we notice is that most of the principal removals, particularly for black men, are focused in areas that the city is trying to gentrify. Mm. Areas where there's some kind of engineered demographic shift taking place, right? And so, again, we have, now this wasn't the Sun-Times article, this was just us putting things together, where you have a principal here who's a black principal of a majority white school. So the racist came out against her and CPS got behind the racist. I mean, it was bad. They sent her text messages like, you, your, your time is short, we're gonna get you. Like, and, and she actually went to the district for help and they completely ignored her. But then when those same racists went to the district to try and get her removed, the district actually got behind them. And we can show you some of those text Question. messages too. Do, do, did, did this happen during the tenure of Brandon Johnson? She was removed during the election. During the election. She was removed, but the day he was elected, we talked to him mm. about what was going on. He came into our studios and we talked to him on camera about the fact that um, we had 15 cases against principals before 2019. Then the next year there was 74. And two years after that, it grew to 116 cases against principals in one year. So they launched this investigative harassment and we gave him the numbers. He said, yes, yeah, something needs to be done about this. But now that it's gotten even further, not only have we seen there's this increase in investigative harassment, but we see that they're actually fabricating cases he doesn't want to talk about. He met with a group of black male principals this week. They tried to bring it up. He told them he does not want to talk about it. But today he posted something on social media with a little Caucasian kid winning a contest about mullets. He had a nice mullet. So you rather spend your time. You think that's more important. You think that's worth your time to uplift this kid with a mullet, but not uplift black children who are going without black leadership, strong leadership, stable leadership. You don't think that's important enough for your time. Like where in the hell are this man's priorities at? Somebody, not somebody, we all need to ask that question. Where are his priorities? So no, uh, he doesn't want to talk about it. Well, you know, I have to go there. You may not know me like that, but I have to go there. Well, I mean, you look at the previous mayor, Lori Lightfoot, or anybody, pro the Democrat Party claimed they are friends, but clearly they're not. Clearly. Because if they cared about the black community, right, like they say they are friends, well, why, don't, why are they allowing this to happen? Because this, this is a Democrat-controlled city. So how is the racist coming in and doing it? I don't look at it in terms of Democrat-controlled party, right? We all know that the standard, the, 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 the old heads in this party are controlled by the banking and real estate industry, mm -hmm. right? And they're the same people who control the Republicans. We got to get beyond this whole party. So the, the Republicans have been completely bought and sold by the bankers, the real estates, and corporations. The Democrats, probably somewhere between 50 and 70% of them are bought and sold by that same group of interests, mm -hmm. right? And so what Lori, we knew was bought and sold by that group of interests. Ron, we knew was a part of that group of interests. Daly, we knew was a part of that interest and served their needs, served their interests, served their demands, right? And put us second, put us last. Mm -hmm. But Johnson, he comes out of an organizing tradition. Johnson comes out of a group of progressives who have been organizing against those interests for decades. 
And now you come in and you don't want to talk about it. What is going on? So if he was listening to this, what would you say to him? Be a man. Be a man. Right. He's looking for somebody to put some wind in his sails. We've given you the wind. Like this is enough justification to act. We got evidence that charges were fabricated by a law department. Now, if he's really thinking, and if he's real, a real progressive, you walk into CPS, and I said this to the board members, Loris, when Lori put our board members in, I met with all of them, and I remember telling one, I won't say the person's name, but I told her, you all are the board of education, but the people who run the district are the staff underneath you. And what Rob did when he came in, he made sure he had people at staff positions. So the CEO, the chief of operations, I remember he got Tim Cawley, this uh, cat, to come in and have a staff position so that he could privatize custodial management, which left our schools filthy, but left the CEOs of the custodial management corporation filthy rich. But he put people not on the board, he put people on the board, but he also went further to put people in deep, embed them inside the apparatus of CPS. Mm -hmm. right? And those people are still there. And those are the people who did this. So if you care, Mr. May, if you want to uproot, right, those career bureaucrats that are in there for the sole purpose of ensuring that our schools fail, you have all you need in this case, right? You have people in this bureaucracy who have fabricated evidence, who have lied. We have people in this bureaucracy that actually expose students to sexual assault in order to frame Abdul Muhammad. You got all the information, all the evidence you need to move on this and actually not just come in and remake the mayor's office or come in and remake the Board of Education. You can remake the bureaucracy, right, that Lori Lightfoot and Rahm Emanuel and Richard Daly put in place to ensure that our students did not get served. But he won't move. So we have to make it move. So where, where are you at now, like, say, on the, the legal process? So you had the press conference with, with Benjamin Crump and all of that. Mm -hmm. So where, where is the next step and how people can get involved? So the next step is actually continuing to elevate it beyond this principle narrative, mm -hmm. right? When we see, like I mentioned before, when we see that the removals are concentrated in these gentrifying areas, now we know this is bigger than this awful racist investigator Kelly Tarrant, this is bigger than the CEO. There's a hidden hand and the hidden hand is now being exposed. Chicago's banking industry, industry, Chicago's real estate industry. So it's all focused in the real estate industry. But you know, they're going to profit, but someone has to finance these real estate transactions and earn and get filthy rich off the interest. That's the banking interest. Mm -hmm. But none of it can happen if black people are still in those communities and black people won't leave those communities if they got great schools for their children. So you have to undermine the schools so black people won't have anything and need to leave, leave to find something for their children. It's like Russia, right? They want Ukraine, what did they do? They bombed the infrastructure, they bombed the bridges, they bombed the um, power grid. So people would not have what they needed and would have to vacate those areas of Ukraine so that Russian troops can then come in and make it a lot easier to seize that land. And then the wealthy Russian interests that are behind all this then go, go, get to go in and profit off the natural resources. 
instead of bombing our communities, right, they just came in in a different way, right? They bombed us with SQRP, this accountability system that made schools that were doing great with black children look like they weren't. They bombed our schools by removing their principles so that that strong leadership would not be there. The culture and the student culture would fall apart and parents don't want to send their kids anymore. So that eventually you get the same results. The community, the land is vacated and then they can come in and profit. So we want to elevate that, first of all. So people see this is about more than principles. We were talking to a firefighter, a brother from the firefighters uh, organization. We're saying the exact same thing was going on there, that they are trying to limit the number of black firefighters as much as possible, putting policy after policy, making 3,500 black firefighters have to retake a test they already passed. Because what happens? You become a black firefighter, it means you, gotta, you can make a decent income. It means you can send your kids to college, right. right? It means that you can afford to live in this city and they don't want us to be able to afford to live in these neighborhoods. They want us out. So you can't get a good government job. 50% of the teachers in Chicago public school were black, maybe 20, 30 years ago. That was down to something like 20, was it 20? 20%, 20 it's down to about 20%, right? You get rid of black people who can afford to live in the city by getting rid of jobs that would allow those black people to live in the city. So this is bigger than principles. And so we're trying to elevate the conversation and create a coalition, whether it be principals who care about what's happening in our principals or our schools or city jobs or straight up gentrification, direct policies that make gentrification policy in terms of what what can or cannot be built in a particular place. The fact that the west side right now has moldy basements all over the place because of a flood and they still haven't got FEMA to come in. Because why, if you black and you living over there and you having to live in mold and the emergency, the folks who are supposed to come in, right, and help you don't come in, you have to leave. And they want them to leave. So we have to start seeing the connection between the removal of Abdul Muhammad, the fact that those black firefighters are not getting jobs anymore, the fact that those folks on the west side are not getting help to actually clean up the flood damage. Like we have to see that it's all part of the same system designed to get black people the hell out of Chicago, organize, expose those people, not just, you know, stop doing this to us, <laughs> expose them and ask for prosecutions. These people need to be locked up need to identify them, ask for the Justice Department, the state, the attorney general to investigate them and lock them up. Now you mentioned something, I, I, I heard something, I said, let me ask. You said demographic change, who are they trying to bring in? Good question. So in a couple of these areas, right, right, they're trying to bring in more professional class, people who can afford typically white, typically white, Okay, but more professional class uh, here in Inglewood. It's kind of a mix. You know, there isn't a, a strong sort of progress of gentrification in that area like it has been in others. You've seen some hints at it, some attempts at it. But what's also happening in Inglewood is you have a community over here called Pilsen, mm -hmm. where they're gentr they've gentrified. And the Mexican-American community from Pilsen needs somewhere else to go because they can't afford to live in Pilsen anywhere. So where are they coming? Inglewood. And so it seems like they're beginning to see Inglewood as a place for the displaced Mexican-American community that they want to displace the black people in Inglewood. So, and they do not want a black 
male Muslim principal uh -huh. over that school for the population that they want to be there. Okay, so they're trying to bring the Mexican community to Inglewood, push black people out. It okay. seems that way. Okay. And, and what other communities? Because, you know, you had the big immigrant, uh, migrant push in the city. Where they going to put them? In those same neighborhoods? Perhaps. Perhaps. Because they got a plan for them. You better believe that. Absolutely. They have a plan. I think Tyrone Muhammad said he spent $76 million already on them. Mm -hmm. when they could have been spending that in the black community. Right. And, you know, we've discovered this much of it. Which other communities are targets? Where specifically? What we know is that they want black people out and they want other folks in. We know that for sure. All the details of it, that's why we want an investigator. Mm -hmm. Man, boy, sinister. Sinister, sinister. Right, and we got to understand what people have to understand, right? There's an organization called the Chicago Public Education Fund. I mentioned it before. They come as the nicest people. They make friends with principals. They give principals scholarships. They send them to wonderful uh, professional developments, and principals feel like they're their friends. But behind the scenes, when we try to get principals bargaining rights, they lobbied against it, right? When we tried to hit legislation that would give principals an automatic salary increase, they lobbied against it. Wait, you love principals, but you don't want to make a decent living, right? When we tried to have legislation that would um, make the process of getting a Chicago, in Chicago, they have this thing called eligibility, principal eligibility, and you can't be a principal if you don't pass this process. Well, we tried to make the process more transparent so that people got a score, so that people would actually, they wouldn't even get principals that score. They just say you didn't pass. So they're trying to control who does and get access to principalship without having to justify it. They won't even give you your score. So when we tried to push legislation that said, uh, just show us the score, guess who lobbied against the Chicago Public Education Fund, right? And so, they're like this organization, I, and I might, people might misunderstand this because our education system is so bad, we don't understand metaphors. Like, there's a group of people who, be, who use the tactic of being friendly and giving gifts in order to, in order to manipulate, mm -hmm. right? We all know that there are people like that, right? Pedophiles are an example, mm -hmm. right? They sometimes, you know, or dress up as clowns, or be funny, or give gifts, do things that make them look like they love the people that they're trying to exploit so that they can get in a position to exploit. Now, I'm not calling them pedophiles. I'm saying that there are strategies that people use to get in good with people so that they, they, can, they can then abuse them, right? So I'm not comparing the pedophile to the FUD, I'm saying both use strategies. That's what I'm comparing, the strategies that they use, gift giving, right? So that they can eventually use that relationship. The difference is that for the pedophile, they sort of directly intend to abuse the person that they're becoming friendly with. For the FUD, they use the legitimacy of the relationships that they have with principals. So all the principals, and I was one of them. I'm not like down in these principals. I, I, I didn't figure this out. I helped the fund do a survey once. I didn't know what I was dealing with. So I'm not down in these people, but you have to realize at some point, this person, these gifts come with a price. And with us, the price wasn't on me. They're using the legitimacy they had with their relationship with me to, to, to show up at a um, 
a state legislature and say, we represent principles. We have 100 principles in our program. And because we know these principles, you should not pass this legislation that will get these principles erased. So they, all their relationships with us give them a legitimacy that they then use behind the scenes to undermine the very interests of the people that they were trying to be friendly with. Now, the exact principle they were being friendly with might not get abused, but principles as a collective will have to endure policies that hurt them because of the legitimacy and the power of the legitimacy they got to pass those policies. Where did they get that power? From their relationships with us, right? They are, so the diabolical piece, right? Mm -hmm. That's how they are. Like they, if, if you want, if you want to manipulate and steal something from somebody, you're gonna go to them and tell them. No, you're gonna mm -hmm. go to them like, right? You're gonna, you're gonna set a trap. You're not right. going, you're, you're going to try to make them think you're the exact opposite of what you are so that you can get in a position to do what you want to do and take what you want to take from them. And we are surrounded by people like that in this city. Hey. But let people know how, how to get in contact with you in case they hear that and say, man, I want to contact him because I got some information that he needs to know that maybe you didn't know. Uh, they can reach me. At, I just give my email address. Uh, my first initial T Laravier at mycpaa.com. T L A R A V I E R E at mycpaa.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, you got the information. Please email his brother if you got any information that maybe he needs to know because listen, people don't know everything. So, uh, you know, brother, thank you for joining us today and giving us that information because there's some. Man, that's, I didn't know all that was going on in this city. What's going on in every city. But oh, yeah. it's deeply embedded in Chicago. Deeply. And we got to dig it up and root it out.